Hey, how are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you recovering? Um, well, I'm good. Slowly, but (laughs) getting there. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, New Year 2022. Everybody, welcome to the Harlot Society podcast, a play to read, or a play, (laughs) kind of, a place to rediscover your inner witchy bitch and connect with a community that's going to help guide you there. My name's Av. And I'm Kat. And we are your co-hosts. And we have just entered into a new season of this podcast to fi- sorry I'm out camping so that's what that is <laughs> uh, to fill everybody in um Kat is currently recovering from COVID so anybody listening send her the most love and best energy and healing things so oh, thank you yeah yeah Moving into a new year, and our topic for this week is, are, it's starseeds, which is exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay, so I feel like this concept of starseeds has been backing, or kind of pertinent in the back of my mind, in regards to a topic, and I'm not quite sure yet exactly why. I'm really excited for this podcast to reveal perhaps the deeper meaning behind it but yeah I just felt really called to have this as a topic for this week and this new year Uh, just to start off because I was the one who suggested it uh, I'm going to turn it over to because I'm the one (laughs) so I turned it over to Kat no I mean um, yeah I I just want to know prior to your research, if you did it, or, you know, just prior to this topic in general, what concept you had of this idea of star seeds and any questions you had or ideas regarding the esoteric woo-ness of it. And then we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So I can't say that I had a lot of direct knowledge. Like I think it was there, but not a lot of putting the building blocks together kind of thing. So just... Yeah lots of pieces and parts so until I really sat down and I was like okay let's, let's dive into this um there was just you know, the more I read it, I was like oh okay yeah that makes sense you know so I guess the knowledge was there it just wasn't put together yet if that makes yeah. any sense <laughs> yeah totally yeah um as far as like questions I have for you I don't know that I have I think a lot of it is just general knowledge, or not knowledge, general, I guess, questions on, you know, what, what your understanding is and um, just how it plays into your train of thought, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's interesting because I think at a deep level, we're all very limited in language to try and touch on something infinite. And so a lot of times people will have these conceptualizations like ghosts or energy or spirit or quantum fluctuations or God goddess or the spirit world or holographic AI simulation reality. You know, I think often, oftentimes we're all trying to touch on this same aspect of feeling ephemerally beyond human description especially when it comes to 
the limitations of language. That being said, I think that especially in the New Age or esoteric or uh, spiritual community, it's very important to be open-minded. The idea that there could be something trending language-wise, so i.e. starseeds, that can oftentimes touch on something that I think is a a deeper aspect of the union collective unconscious, but we're currently just using one word for it. So I guess where I'm getting with this is whether or not people resonate with this, this idea of being a starseed or a starseed, which to clarify is this well, probably within the last 50 years <laughs> um, idea that's emerged that there are certain waves of souls or certain soul groups that have actually come from different areas in the cosmos, especially within our galaxy, uh, to help the collective ascension of humanity. So a couple of very uh, common starseed associations you will come across or you'll hear are um, a, a soul tribe connection to Arcturus, for example, or from the Pleiades which is in the constellation Taurus, or um, from Vesta, I believe, uh, from Sirius. I know I have a goddess Isis oracle deck, and one of the cards directly ties the goddess Isis to the star Sirius. And in Egyptian cosmology, this is accurate to our historical understanding of the connection between the mother of magic, i.e. the goddess Isis, and this idea of a higher collective consciousness being amplified through goddess Isis from the start series. So I think where I'm going with this is there is a lot of feelings, I think, on a global level of not belonging, of souls being more sensitive, being more empathic, uh, having this collective feeling of what the fuck is going on. This doesn't feel right. I don't understand the degradation of the environment. I don't understand the depravity of, of what we're taught human nature has been. And it's hurting me. And it's it's really difficult. And, and we find a lot of these sensitives, a lot of these uh, types of souls move into things like Kat and I have moved into, right? Reconnecting with like our witch aspect of self or reconnecting with this prior identity of uh, belonging somewhere that is not in the heavy, dense vibration of... <laughs> 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 That's Are you hilarious. okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> let me see if I can help this. Lopa, knock it off. <laughs> it's these two pipples that come from. <laughs> 
that come from a property down the way. I'm currently on a land trust, which is really cool. <laughs> People can come and contribute to a community and stay, but we have these two kitties that just come and hang out. So if Lopa keeps Aww. doing that, yeah, she's cute though. <laughs> okay. Hopefully it won't continue. Okay, so I think that's kind of a good break point to, to get your insight and kind of <laughs> see how you feel about <laughs> the topic. <laughs> this yeah. <month. coughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I, you know, I guess I never really thought into it. Um, but uh, I think who would we be and how jaded would we be there's not other forms of life out there. I think that, you know, we don't come from somewhere else. Um, oh, you know, how dare us be so jaded to, to think that we're the only things out there. I mean, you know, there's so much discovered and our human group as a collective is not so wonderful so you know as far as I'm concerned that there's got to be something bigger out there something um, to help so for me it's definitely not that oh that's totally impossible or you know whatever I get where that feeling of longing you know not not being completely at home or being different or you know not not totally understand where people are coming from with that idea and that that being what main drive what else is there because obviously this is not um so I definitely stand behind that and yeah I sense there but No, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I loved that contribution because I think an interesting aspect of human socialization or just the human, not interdependence, like interpersonal relationships is this tendency to recreate themes of greater belonging in whatever context uh, or cultural phenomenon we understand at the time. I was listening to, uh, it was probably Terrence McKenna, but I was listening to um, a YouTube video and the speaker was talking about the correlations between uh, like the modern UFO uh, phenomenon and cross-cultural folk um, histories and mythos regarding the Fae and how many similarities there are between aliens and the fairy kingdom, which I think, okay. yeah, which I think is quite interesting. Um, it, there's also this thought that I have that ties back to this amazing, well, it was really amazing at the time. There's probably been a lot of development, but it was called What What Believe Do We Know? And it was about quantum physics, and it really sparked this core love I have for quantum mechanics because I feel like, for me personally, it 
creates little rainbow correlations between my felt and uh, my felt logical sense of existence with my external reality, but also the spiritual or um, like witchy components of my psyche that also have as much authenticity for my experience as my lived reality, if that makes sense. So, yeah. So this correlation with quantum mechanics and uh, I remember this one part of the documentary talked about how it's, it's logistically possible that our entire reality is created in like one tiny little portion of our brain. I think we touched on this in a previous episode regarding our collective fear of schizophrenia and how um, there's a, a, a lot of suggestion regarding this intense fear. Uh, being a result of the fact that a, a schizophrenic, like a schizophrenic's reality is reality for them. And that freaks us out because we know that what they're experiencing, they fully believe it is happening and therefore they're experiencing it. Right. So I, I yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting off topic, but it, it comes around the bend in the end, I promise. And it's this idea that um, whether or not someone resonates with this idea of starseed or even if we originally would have believed that it was a possibility at all, perhaps our consciousness is expanded enough at this point where we are in this creation, like like co-creation mode with the divine that different aspects of, of possibility and reality are coming into play for our lived human experience. And I know that's like really fucking, and once again, it's one of those where it's like smoke a little bit of weed and think on it and, you know, hopefully like get back to us at some point on what you think about it. But I think that um, I'm doing a lot of like preemptive rambling in regards to starseeds because i know for me personally when i first came across the idea although i was like instinctively intrigued by it i thought it was like absolute horseshit i was like uh uh, yeah but what's interesting i think is also this capacity for our spiritual journey to be um to be driven by narrative you know, it's, it's like this capacity that we have as divine manifestors and co-creators to go back into this child playing aspect. It's like if, if attributing this feeling that you have as a collective soul tribe to being a starseed helps, helps humanity, I think that that in and of itself is a, a very beautiful application of human imagination even if it's not a real thing and I'm not saying it's not a real thing I'm just saying I think that there's definitely paradox although I I feel very inclined towards this idea of being a starseed there's been a lot of resonance a lot of synchronicity I've had coming across like application to the Pleiadians for example or I talked about like the goddess Isis and Sirius um, and how I feel very connected to the stars, especially during my spiritual awakening. Um, 
where I would just like I was so lonely at the time too this is like right before we went into quarantine for 2020 for COVID so I was like really lonely and I would like drive out in the desert and I, I developed this very strong sense of friendship with the stars so I want to ask you like in your experience have you ever been out like with your horses or camping or doing something and just had that feeling almost of like being held or recognition looking up at the night sky. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have, um, this conversation kind of reminds me of one that I've heard and I don't recall if it was something I read or what, but there, and like, don't quote me on this because I know I'm messing it up somewhere. <laughs> but I want to say that it's the Native Americans that believe that they were great hunters and came to Earth to hunt. Mm. And something happened and they ended up being trapped here. Um, so obviously they were not of this world just came here to hunt and then for some reason they were trapped and I can't I want to say that's Native American um, but I could be totally wrong on that but you know they believed that they didn't originate here that they came to hunt whether it was buffalo or whatever back in the day um, and some some event happened that caused them to be trapped here so uh, for me I mean there's there's never been a question of if there are other things out there and obviously if there are other things out there, how far of a stretch is it for us to feel like some of us aren't from here? Yeah. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I share this. It's, it's kind of entertaining. And uh, my daughter had a friend over a couple weeks ago. And they were talking about Skinwalker Ranch because they're like 11 and, you know, they think that's like the best TV show ever. And, <laughs> I like grew and, up like a hob and a skip away from Skinwalker Ranch. So I'm just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, you, you like it because you're thousands of miles away, but. <laughs> I still don't like um, it very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, so they're talking about it and I told them to go outside and do something and it was dark. And they come flying back in and they're talking about <laughs> they saw UFOs and there's two of them. And, and it's just like this complete innocence. And it was like really cute. But then at the same time, you know, all I can think is, well, you know, what, what if they're, they were real? Um, not that what they saw wasn't real. I'm pretty sure it was, you know, helicopters and they were looking for something. But, yeah. you know, just the excitement that they saw in the innocence of it too, yeah. you know, they, they believed it and they, you know, of course we gave them a hard time and we were like, well, obviously you're not worth abducting because you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was just, the, <laughs> it was just the, you know, the innocence and, and the fact that to them there was no question at all whatsoever. And it was just nice to see that, you know, that yeah. even though they can be so sheltered and Sometimes it's nice to see that they still believe in other things, you know, that I've raised my child with an open enough mind to go, well, no doubt in my mind, that's what that was, you know? So it was yeah. just a very, uh, I guess, reassuring as a parent that I'm, I think I'm doing something right. Oh, hell so. yeah. <laughs> that's, 
that's so cute. Oh, we, have, we have to have a conversation about Skinwalker Ranch and how that's not in Florida and, you know, whatever. But <laughs> and, <laughs> and that maybe, maybe she shouldn't be watching that TV show. But yeah, <laughs> like any portal that's opening up. Like for the longest time, I didn't even like to say the word. Like I would call it, them it Voldemort's. Okay. <laughs> like I legit have had experiences that have scared this this sh- like shit out of me. Um, one experience I had. So I was with my um, old best friend in Salt Lake, and we would go and we would play Pokemon Go maybe uh-huh. night. And there's um. Like in Salt Lake City, Maine, you have the freeway that's going north to south. It's called I-80. It um, has this big knotted mess in the middle of it in Salt Lake City called the Spaghetti Bowl. And this shit like terrified me when I moved to Salt Lake because it's like, <laughs> like there's like three different levels of freeway. And you're uh. like, yeah, it's like. Google Maps doesn't know what the hell is going on because, like, all of a sudden you have such like, a three split way. Like, one heads off to West Valley, like, the other one goes to Idaho, one goes up to, you know, right. like Colorado, and you're like, what the fuck? Don't get it wrong. And so I would, I would end up taking um, this other um, out of the way free, freeway um, that would essentially just makes a big loop up around the eastern side of Salt Lake City if you want to go to the ski resorts and then it will loop back in a circle so you can't fuck it up too bad because if you miss your exit just stay on it it will take <laughs> half an hour but you'll end up back where you were <laughs> like you're not lost in Wyoming <laughs> so, right um and I was with my best friend at the time after work and we were gonna go play Pokemon Go and um I lived up um, off of, like, one of the ski resorts. Um, The exit was called Foothill. And right before, you can um, enter a canyon to get to Park City. And anyone who skis will know of, of, like, the ski resorts up there. And Park City is a pretty big one. The canyon is spooky as fuck. It's wintertime. It's spooky. It's cold. It's dark. And all of a sudden, I had a really intense feeling of something being wrong. <clears throat> and because my exit to get to my apartment was one after um, going up to Park City, we had to pass it to try and get to my apartment. And I remember all of a sudden, um, like, seeing these, these, like, cones, like, traffic cones materialize out of like the mist because it was winter that were forcing us to take the exit into the canyon they were they were in the way of um continuing to my exit and i'm gonna put a blessing on this story so anyone who's really freaked out you're safe you're protected like nothing can enter this space and if you are very um triggered by spooky stories or by um, Navajo witches or something like that. Totally understandable. Just skip ahead a little bit. It's the story is not that bad, but I want to put that out there. Like this is protected and blessed. So all of a sudden, I had the most intense reaction I've ever had. Cat to getting like to stopping the direction of where I was going to the point where I was like pushing on the front of like the dashboard, 
like doing this thing. I was so grateful that um, my friend was driving at the time. And I remember like having this conversation kind of where it was like, fuck, 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 fuck. you know, he's like, oh, no, oh, no, no, what's happening? And I just had the most intense sensation and the most intense like feeling of going inside and pushing like, quote unquote, like I just I had this like very clear sense that I needed to go inside my like energetic system and push out. um whether it was like shielding it was probably like a witchy sense of shielding or something um at the time and it was just it was a feeling of intense dread and so I closed my eyes I was pushing as you know my friend was having to go into the canyon take the first exit was which was in complete blackness go under the freeway and back up out the other side of the canyon in the snow it was freaky as hell and I remember looking to the side and there was an elk that was in rigor mortis with a plastic bottle in its mouth, like turned up. It was oh, the geez. weirdest fucking shit. Weirdest, weirdest shit. And it freaked me out so badly. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I'm never coming back up here. It took me a long time to ever go back up that canyon. Um. But I've also had experiences where there, so there's a reason in Northern Utah that there's a lore and a culture of skinwalker and it's because of the untransmuted and, and the, the undiscussed truth of the genocide of the Native Americans. Um, there, I, I really think that demons like haunt the collective unconscious when there is truth that needs to be spoken. Um, I know in my own spiritual journey, um, it's very important as a spiritual purpose to help heal ancestral karma, to speak truth of what happened to the Navajo, the Ute, the Paiute in that area. I mean, my great grandma taught at the Navajo Indian schools, and this is something like our family didn't talk about. Um, and, and these schools, what they would do is they would take Navajo kids away from their families and inundate them with like English and with Western, you know, and like, I remember my great grandma, she had this house in Brigham city, like the Navajo Indian schools have been knocked down at this point, but they're haunted. They were haunted as shit. My older brother went in there and, and there were footsteps following them on the top of the ceiling. My brother doesn't make stuff up like that. Um, a lot of, a lot of stuff goes on in that area because the truth of what happened to the native Americans has been covered up. Um, and I think that I'm able to speak about skinwalkers and about Skinwalker Ranch and about Navajo witches because I have um, delved deeply into <laughs> bury my heart at wounded knee. And I've grieved and I do a lot of like shamanic dancing to, to try and bring truth to what happens to the Native Americans. Four years ago, I wouldn't have even been able to say the name. So, yeah, I don't know. Kind of a segue, but I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's a lot to process, but I think that, um, one, you know, obviously what, what you are doing is very necessary and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that there's not more people that are wanting to right that wrong. Uh, um, yeah. You know, we, we have, like you said, we, we created an evil inside of their community with our own children. You know, we, forced our ways on them and that that was not fair um and you know it's something that we cannot just undo um 
it kind of reminds me of years ago. I was in school and we had some exchange students from Germany. And for some reason, we got on the topic of the Holocaust and we were just having like, you know, a very open classroom discussion. We were probably seniors at that point and just having a very open discussion about it because it was some, you know, day that was significant during the Holocaust. And one of these exchange students was just like sitting there, you know, like a deer in the headlights kind of look. And she's like, what is going on? And finally, you know, we were like, oh, well, what do you think? You know, you're from Germany. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This never happened in our country. And she had been so, you know, brainwashed by the government that she, you know, was told that it was all made up, that it, it was it had never happened. So that was, you know, kind of in one way or another, that makes me think of that, where, you know, we as Americans are so blind to what we created in that sense. So we definitely need to take more responsibility. And I think you're right. Um, You know, I've, I've watched Skimwalker Ranch a lot and done some research myself. Um, But I also believe in the phenomenon of skinwalkers and some of the other lore that goes on with them. Um, But yeah, I mean, basically if I recall correctly, they are undead, um, you know, and and they were created because of such this, I'll use the term injustice, um, but something so dark um, and just the amount of phenomenon that goes in that area. Oh yeah. It's a hot spot. And I I think you're right that it does go along with all the suffering. Um, And I think that it kind of, they're hand in hand, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, 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 where it's, like, it's this creation of, like, a fun- phenomenon that becomes very real. It it ties back to what I was saying, I think, where I'm, like, well, you know, based on our current understanding of, like, the holographic multiverse potentiality, like, this could really be a thing. If there's enough energy that is created by our mindscape, because they've done EEG um, scans, Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it turns out that our thoughts actually create minute quantities of mass, if I'm not mistaken. And if you go back to this, Newton, um, uh, maybe, but, but it's it's like mass can neither be created nor destroyed; it can only be transmitted. Right. right. That makes sense that when we have intense like mental c- corruptions or. Uh, yeah, like corruptions of like energetic. Uh, okay, let me find another way. So like if if there's something really joyous or really fucked up that happens in a certain area, it makes sense to me on a like physics scientific level that there can be energy left over from the intensive mental patterns that are corroborating the same lived experience i think in um what the bleep do we know they talked about these things across the united states called random event generators. and after september 11th they found they whoever the fuck they are um <laughs> all these people <laughs> who were moderating these random event generators found that there were actually like coalescence 
of of um, like radioactivity across the board that would come into sync. And they think it's because so many people ha- had the mental focus on the same thing, which we were all watching the TV and people jumping out of the towers and things like that. So that's definitely a really um, interesting thing to consider where it's, it's like, yeah, there's a reason like people have so, like across the board have very real experiences with cryptids and with like demons and with all of these different aspects of lore there's a very real possibility that these things are generated into a, a like an energetic reality from unprocessed or a collective unconscious and Ener- like untransmuted energy perhaps um one thing i did want to say um like so I lived in Germany for two years. I wanted to put it out there that um, where I was living, so I was living in du- uh, outside of Dusseldorf, and then I, I moved to Kiel. Um, and I never heard any, like, um, any Holocaust deniers or anything like that. So I wanted to give that alternate um, perspective. Like, I remember my host mom sent me with a group to Berlin and to Buchenwald, which was one of the um, concentration camps. Right. Um, um, and so I had a, a very, uh, I let's the Holocaust is so fucking sad. Like adjectives don't really, uh, uh, but a very the experience in to to how on it. Like for example, I was on a tour in Berlin, and the tour guide who was Australian like pointed to this parking lot and he said, "Oh, by the way, that's." that's Hitler's bunker, but you know, Germany doesn't ever want to um, create monuments out of the Nazis. So they only have like their Holocaust museums and the Holocaust monument and things like that. So definitely unfortunate though, that that girl had, had grown up in a part of Germany where that was denied, you know, and not the United States. I think, yeah, I think it just, you know, it's a cult and not completely, I say cultural. I don't think it's a huge cultural phenomenon, but like yeah, my mom grew up in, word, like, yeah, yeah, she grew up in Germany, um, and she, you know, obviously learned a lot about the Holocaust while she was there. But you know, I do think it is just some of the places. You know, they're small-minded, and it goes in every culture and every country, everywhere. Yeah. You know, it is not just one place. Yeah, um, you know, still in. I live in a small town, and it's. It's the same, you know, there's some racism and things that go on here. And it's like, guys, come on, you know, like, this is like, not. Don't tread on me, war of northern aggression, and like that kind of shit. Well, and, you know, and if people want to understand their, you know, they the whole heritage not hate thing, whatever. Yeah. It's, you know, yes, I think it is an important thing that we keep all of that in mind so that we don't go back down the same road yeah you know be don't be small-minded you know have an open mind and really consider things that's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me about moving um when I was a young adult you know 16 17 18 whatever I this is gonna sound terrible but I there were we have a lot of migrant workers in our area and I did not know Spanish all that well. You know, I only knew some words here and there. And to go in the grocery store on a Sunday, it just made me very uncomfortable. 
as a young woman by myself. Um, and I, I have this stigma against, um, the migrant workers and it was totally for ridiculous reasons, but I did. Uh, and then when I moved and, um, was married to someone who was in the army and had a lot of friends who their family were migrant workers. And, you know, Mm. I really actually got to know people instead of a race or a type of person. Um, so, you know, it, it shows me that, you know, as a young adult, I was, somewhat racist um and that's so beautiful i mean not the being part but the openness part yeah because i i i'm there with you yeah i mean being well and we were taught you know it's there again small-minded from small towns you know you were taught that that particular migrant worker group is dirty or whatever um and it wasn't until later in life, you know, when I was an adult and saw all these young soldiers who were Hispanic in, in the barracks by themselves on holidays. And I'm like, no, you know, you can come to the house. I don't know your name, but you know, it's not fair. Um, and just really got to know them collectively that I was like, wow, you know, I can't believe I was like that. Uh, I'd never thought of myself as a racist person, but as a young adult, you're like, that was racist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it just kind of goes to show that we are all blind at times. So, yeah. what a beautiful testament, and thank you for that. You know, and I, I, it's it's so funny because at this point, coming to a place where I recognize that either me turning away from the reality of the situation. I remember having like a full blown like breakdown because I was doing a lot of like Black Lives Matter solo protesting after George Floyd, after this man was stepped on and we all watched collectively as a country and it was heartbreaking. And it's, it's not that like, like every person traumatized or, you know, and I, I fucking personally love veterans love love veterans ptsd is very close to my heart i understand that like like policemen there's incredible policemen and and they're suffering a lot of trauma and a lot of ptsd you know it's it's not it, one of the very rare like biblical things i'll actually refer to is like okay they talk about jesus going after the the sheep you know like whatever in the in the 98 nine other sheep it's not that they weren't important it's that they weren't the ones in fundamental danger. And I think that this kind of ties into this idea of like, like the humbling aspect of recognizing within myself that my own privilege or my own culturalization made me bold to the harm that's being imposed on any of our brothers and sisters of humanity. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think with having you have said that, I think if there was a lot more of that, if there was a lot more of collective responsibility across the board, not regardless of whatever gender or race or whatever, but if people took more responsibility for their actions, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yeah. And it's, it's okay. I think it's okay to like honor the, the heartbreak and the grief of, like one group of people 
systemically being ignored and how important it is to speak truth to that and like open our hearts and like bleed you know or like like cry or or heal or change and that's not to say that like the pain and the hidden systemic abuse or trauma of another group of people isn't vitally important it's it's just at this point i think we're all collectively realizing like <laughs> well i know for me there was a lot i didn't want to see and i remember like breaking down um it was after it was like right before i started working with you cat and i work at this um like gardening place and i thought i had like it was just like a dream you know it was so chill I was recovering from PTSD I met my best friend there and it turns out that the owner of this place was a fucking creep and his dad like started this culty like like um sect of the Baptist church that covered up the rape of my best friend and it was this whole thing like I got fired for going to the grounds and and like turning into a witch just being like fuck you and they had like hunting cameras and yeah, and I got fired from this place. And um, I remember after um, there was there was this um, like I could tell that it had been um, active in the past, but it was no longer active, and it was a female protective society. And it like the honorary like association on the board went to like Rosa Parks and like shit like this. Anyway, so afterwards, I was having this moment of breakdown and I just like drove to this this plot of land and it was so fascinating because it was only black men who showed up to see if I was okay because and and not to say like oh you know white men didn't care not at all it was obviously like a cultural association to this plot of land that the black community had in the area and they saw this girl by herself like showing up to a female protective society plot of land and they wanted to make sure I was okay and I remember breaking down and, and I was crying and this was after a lot of the, the police brutality violence was happening on TV. And it was like a really beautiful fucking experience because I remember like crying and I, I said, I'm so sorry that I never wanted to see it, you know, and I'm not going to put it on your shoulders, but I promise like I'll stand up from here on out. And I remember they were crying and and I think there was something that was fundamentally like connected in that moment that was really beautiful. And so I want to thank you for your story because I think that that's incredibly healing. Um, or I'd hope so, you know, for anybody who had experienced that kind of, um, like it reminds me of my best friend. She told me about this concept that she came across. Um, there was a speaker who came to the University of Florida and they talked about the importance of walking towards black men. You know, how it had really been trained in, like our psyche to avoid them and how right. painful that was. So yeah, that's what you were talking about just, just kind of triggered that. Um, memory and I think it's really beautiful where it's I, I feel like oh, I love our podcast so much <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we definitely moved into a topic of conversation that really needed to be talked about and I want to thank you because you're you were the segue to that so well thank you I think it it's an important conversation and you know I'm not so 
jaded to say that sometimes I, I do get tired of hearing the same things in the news media. And, you know, it just, I just wish we as people would take more responsibility. You know, if we would all just take more responsibility for our actions or inactions, we would be better people. We would be a better society. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, at at least there are some of us out there willing to do Mm -hmm. and and say and admit when we're wrong. So, yeah, Yeah, I love that so much. And one one last plug I want to put in, like being from the Southwest and coming to the South, I had no idea the amount of deaths that occurred here during the Civil War. No idea. I went to the Veterans Memorial um, outside of uh, Gainesville, and the way that they had this set up was each of the major like conflicts or wars in the United States had a brick that was supposed to represent the approximation of a thousand U.S. soldier deaths, right? It was crazy when you got to the Civil War, you're like walking down this path and all of a sudden there's this fucking mo- little monument that the bricks tower above every other war. I, I swear the combination of World War II, World War I and the revolutionary still would not cap the amount of fucking death that occurred during the Civil War. Yeah. That's... So, yeah. One thing that I, I found being here is a lot of like a lot of realization and love and compassion for this idea of unprocessed epigenetic trauma and you have like the body the body doesn't understand politics the body just wants to be here and if we have so much death because we're finding out more and more that trauma is stored in our body and if we have so much death within the country itself it makes sense that like until we have able to start really integrating and like processing this kind of trauma hello yeah 